And hello, everybody. Welcome to Friday Night's After Show. I'm Zev Shalev. It's so good to be with you tonight with the fabulous Kimberly Johnson. Thanks for being here tonight, Kimberly. She's from the Start Me Up podcast. Uh, thank you very much for being here tonight. Thanks for inviting me back. <laughs> we, 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 well, it's great to have you back. We got abandoned, I guess, by both Greg and LP. Right. We had serious other things that had to deal with. So here we are yeah. on quite a big news night. I mean, it turns out to be yes. you know, the kind of news day you might want to remember for the rest of your life. Or you might remember you for the rest right. of your life. Because you know, these right. verdicts, I mean, I remember OJ as one of the, the verdicts mm -hmm. that are just you know, seared in my brain forever. Right. Because the days when you get verdicts, they sort of, they're statements on the entire culture. They're statements on where yes. we are politically, culturally, uh, in terms of race relations, in terms of everything, these, these kind of seminal verdicts. And today felt like one of those verdicts. It wasn't surprising to me in any way whatsoever. Yeah. I certainly felt like all the way through Kyle Rittenhouse was going to get off and that is a problem. Yeah. But, you know, it still it doesn't take away any of the reality of it all, which is it's awful. It's awful right. that we live in a country where, you know, someone can commit a crime like that and get away with it. Well, what were you doing at the time? And, and tell me about your reaction. Well, just like you, I'm not surprised. I actually did have a little bit of hope. I figured that I would be wrong, but I figured that because, you know, they say when juries come back quickly with a verdict, it's usually bad news for the defendant. Yes. And, um, yes, it's right. yes defendant. So right. I figured, okay, well, maybe because I know it was six counts, but I knew it was taking some time. So I thought maybe where they were deliberating and it was like, you know, who knew? Anyway, today I saw it was turning verdict and I started looking at the feed and waiting and I could see people saying, okay, they've reached a verdict. And then of course we saw what happened and it was just incredibly disappointing. It wasn't surprising, especially with that judge, mm -hmm. but it was absolutely. And like you said, it is, it's like the right has made him a hero and yeah. this is not about politics, but it is because this child basically went into a protest with a gun looking for trouble. Clearly you don't walk in, to a place with an AR-15 if you're not looking for trouble. Not across and, state lines, uh, in a place that you don't really live in. I mean, it just seems though it's exactly. all that is, is, it strains credulity. You know, it took three days for them to basically come to this conclusion. Mm -hmm. So it was fairly quick, but you know, they, they did go back quick. and look at some of the video and they assessed it. Mm -hmm. But you know, the truth of it is what it reveals to us which is what we've always known about America is that white privilege is still very much alive and well in this country and oh, white yes, privilege absolutely. entails getting away with stuff that other people can't get away with. Mm -hmm. Certainly in yeah. terms of the courts. I mean, this was an murder. all white court. You had a, yeah. And a, a judge that was white an all white jury. Mm -hmm. I know none of the victims were non-white, but at least there should have been some sort of diversity because, you know, even though yes. it wasn't a case involving black people, it still involved black people because it was about race relations. It was about, you yeah. know, that whole up, Rising that happened last year, which to me is still, yes. still such a major factor that we need to address is why did we have that major uprising last year? I mean, I know there were deaths and I understand the reaction to those deaths, but they were also being mm -hmm. amplified by the GOP and amplified by the mm -hmm. Trump administration who are in the middle of a campaign trying to win a campaign, you know, stoking divisions, yeah. stoking race spheres. And that's what you get. You get conflict. You get Kyle Rittenhouse, basically. Yeah, you absolutely do. And I mean, those protesters were peaceful. Nobody else died that night. The yeah. only people who died were shot by Kyle. And then we saw he got bail. And then he's standing with the Proud Boys making mm. the white supremacy sign, which yeah. used to be the OK sign. <laughs> and yeah. it's very clear what's going on here. And it's very upsetting. And yeah, I mean, you mentioned OJ and Bill Cosby. Mm. Well, Bill Cosby spent time in jail. But then he got off on a technicality. He basically admitted what he did. And the technicality is what got him off. 
also with OJ, I mean, I'm not going to speak to exactly why the jurors came to that decision. And eventually he did go to jail for some other crime. But those are black men, but they were beloved, wealthy black men who had access to obviously lots of lawyers, lots of money. And most black people in this country, just everyday regular people, they don't have that money that they can go to. They don't have fame that they can turn to. They're just everyday citizens trying to get by and they are not being treated fairly. In fact, we saw this week that, you know, two people who had been convicted of the death of Malcolm X, their convictions were overturned this week after spending a long time in jail. I mean, you know, that's what happens to black people who don't have the power or the money to go to courts to fight them in the way that uh, many people do. And in the way that, frankly, Kyle Rittenhouse was also supported by a lot of really Mm -hmm. wealthy conservative funders. I want to play the verdict um, as it happened in court today, because, you know, people are saying these are not real tears that he's shedding and he's not really emotional, but I believe he is. I mean, his lawyer certainly indicates that he's got PTSD and his, and his reaction mm-hmm. both on the court stand last week when he was testifying, but also here does look to me like PTSD. It's got the classic symptoms of, of PTSD, which is, you know, just another tragedy to pile onto this already yeah. awful story. Right. Uh, so let's take a look at the verdict and see what happened as the five cases were adjudicated. We, the jury, find the defendant, Kyle H. Rittenhouse, not guilty. As to the fourth count of the information, Anthony Huber, we the jury find the defendant, Kyle H. Rittenhouse, not guilty. As to the fifth count of the information, Gage Grosskreutz, we the jury find the defendant, Kyle H. Rittenhouse, Kyle H. Rittenhouse not guilty. So then he just collapses the jury, to the ground there. Are unanimous verdicts? Is there anyone who does not agree with the verdicts as read? Would you wish the jury pulled? And then, you know, he gets pulled back up by the, by the uh, his attorney. There's a hug there with his other attorney. I mean, he certainly looked emotional. And as one would imagine, he'd be emotional on a day like today yeah. regardless. I mean, this would not be an easy thing yeah. for any 18-year-old to deal with. I mean, certainly a, a horrible no, I believe his reaction is legit. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. his reaction is legit because he's so relieved. It reminds me of like a mother who's lost their child. Mm. And then you find your child and you're just like, oh, my God, I'm so relieved. I yeah, think look, he's so relieved that he's not going to go to jail. And clearly he does have PTSD. I mean, you know, even just the act of killing somebody as he did would give you PTSD. I mean, never mind the the trial and the the pressure of this public campaign mm-hmm. that he's had. Now, I mean, people are saying, why do we care about Kyle's feelings? Why is the white media caring so much about Kyle's feelings? To be frank, I don't know why we care so much about his feelings because, you know, there's other people here that are more important that died on that night yeah. and we should be paying yeah. attention to them. And we will later in this hour as we continue talking about what happened. Um, but just to keep the conversation going on about what happened to day in court. There were five charges, as you mentioned. One was intentional homicide. That was the most serious one. And that could have carried a mandatory life sentence. But he was also charged with first-degree reckless homicide, first-degree attempted homicide, and first-degree reckless endangerment of public safety. And then there was another mm-hmm. firearms charge that was also dismissed. So that's a lot of things to be mm-hmm. acquitted of. I mean, it certainly yeah. was not a simple case of just one one event. Uh, you know, the prosecutors right. claim Kyle Rittenhouse was a chaos tourist. It's a term I haven't heard before. He, you know, that he traveled to Kenosha <laughs> looking for tourist. trouble. It's a good term. And the facts, I think that's what he is. I mean, it, it certainly looks to yeah, me like he had no too. reason to be there. He did consciously right. go across state lines with an AR-15 yeah. and he did shoot he people that he didn't need to, you know? Yeah, it was an illegally purchased AR-15 as well. Well, there's, there's confusion about that. There is confusion about whether oh, you're allowed to own AR-15s when you're 17 in, right, in yeah. Kenosha. I mean, I don't know if that's the case. 
Milwaukee must have different gun rules, but that's a very weird rule to let 17-year-olds run around yeah. with AR-15s. Yeah. You know, it's certainly not uh, something you want to be crossing state lines with. I'm sure that's illegal. But, you know, we're left with the kind of, a, I get a sense, I don't know how you feel about this, that we're sort of left with, like, we just don't really have justice in America. We're sort of, there's a yeah. sense of injustice from all of this. You know what happened. We know we got off. But it doesn't yeah. feel good. It doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel yeah. like the verdict was accurate or reflected what really happened, nor does it feel like it would be meted out in the same way if the uh, accused was someone of a different race. Exactly. And I mean, I heard when this started, because they didn't have any black jurors or any jurors of color, it was like, oh, well, it might be biased. It's like white people can be biased. Yeah. So, I mean, you have a, a jury filled with white people that can also be biased, but we never take a look at that. And then I also, the way that the judge conducted himself and this trial, not allowing the protesters to be called protesters, that they were called whatever uh, criminals or whatever he allowed. Rioters, protesters, and, and he, people like that. Like that's that's yes. the terms you would use, yeah. Or victims. He, they weren't allowed to be called victims. That's correct, that's yes. Right, right. And so you have a jury who's listening to this judge. And I mean, people, regardless of if they're racist or biased, just take that out of the equation for just one minute. Oftentimes, people look at judges or anybody as an authority figure. It's like when mm -hmm. Trump was president, they follow the lead of your leaders. Mm -hmm. And so he wasn't allowing certain information. And I guess what they had to go on and what was, I think that if I were in that jury, I would, I mean, I don't think they would have let me on that jury because I, Probably not. I thought he was guilty from the get-go. Yeah, yeah. But still, it's the idea of, I don't know exactly, I didn't listen to the entire you know, everything all day long. I didn't watch it. I don't even know if you could watch it, but, you know, I saw the excerpts like everybody else did. But based on what they were told, I think, you know, they thought they were coming to a decision based on the rules because I sat on a jury once. It was so long ago. Yeah. Um, Tell me about that story. I'm really interested in jury stories because I, I always find them so fascinating and revealing. Tell me about what kind of case it was. And, and well, how... actually, mine wasn't so fascinating. It was a domestic argument. And it mm -hmm. was just this married couple who had a big argument. And I don't remember the exact the specifics of it because I, I think I was like 19 or 20. I don't know how old. I was really young. And I just remember, you know, there are certain instructions that we got that I felt like, oh, well, you, ha you can't pay attention to this thing right. that is there, but you can't pay attention to it. So when a jury is instructed that they can't pay attention to A, even though A might be a vital piece of the case. Right. This happened in this case. It happened in Rittenhouse's case. Yeah. They weren't exactly. allowed to see the 4K exactly. drone footage, which I think is, you know, very damning footage. So absolutely. You know, yeah, It's very weird to sort of be told, you know, you got to block out this piece of information from your mind when you, yeah. know, you, knew, you know it exists. What happened? Yeah, and did, jurors did, are going to take that lead. Yeah, absolutely. Pardon me? Did your jury convict the accused in your case? I think it was like the husband and the wife. Okay. And I think the husband was the one who did the wrongdoing. I mean, it wasn't an abusive thing. It was, I don't remember what it was, yeah, but okay. it was just a big fight that they had. And I think we found that the husband was guilty of whatever he was accused of. It is really of. hard to find consensus amongst 12 people, I have to say. And the fact mm -hmm. that they were able to find consensus among this group of people to say that he was all not guilty of all these things. Boy, yeah. that's a hard thing to do in three days. I want to remind people that we have a new narrative player. So if you're watching on any of our social feeds, you can go to narrative.org forward slash TV. That's narrative.org forward slash TV. And then you'll see the same thing, but you'll have interactive features, meaning you'll be able to talk to us and tell us what you thought about the Kyle Rittenhouse verdict. Plus, you'll be able to engage in a poll. We'll think of a poll question in just a few minutes. And we'll even, you know, in the future, you'll be able to do some shopping. Isn't that nice? You'll be able to do shopping oh. while you're watching narrative. I don't know what you'll be buying, but... You know, 
We'll think of something. <laughs> we have a narrative shop with cool mugs and things. We should get you one, Kimberly, because you're such a good sport uh, for, yeah. for being here tonight. Um, <laughs> we have so much more to talk about. I want to fit in a commercial break. When we return, we're going to talk about the oh, the worst named bill in the entire world. Build back better. <laughs> Whatever, whatever, whatever. <laughs> Biff, Baff, Baff, Bob. I don't know. It's all here. Um, apparently, it's going to be transformational for the whole country. So all of that is coming up next. Plus, your thoughts on Kyle Rittenhouse in the chat at narrative.org forward slash TV. We'll be right back, everybody. Hey, everyone. Thank you for supporting Narrative and for supporting our sponsors. If you're a regular viewer to the show, you may have noticed I wear similar things every day. That's because I can be sure it matches everything else I'm wearing. Now I can stop thinking about what to wear and just embrace the radically efficient Mack Weldon Daily Wear System. The Daily Wear System is a selection of clothes rooted in smart design, made with performance fabrics, and built to work together. From breathable t-shirts and polos to stylish button-ups and shorts, underwear, and beyond, Mack Weldon makes it easy for you to dress for work, leisure, and play, or wherever your holiday season might take you. I'm wearing the Ace Sweatpants right now. It's available in a variety of colors, and don't get misled by the term sweatpants. These are structured and tailored and can easily be worn to informal meetings and also on travel. I've also opted for the Pima long sleeve t-shirt. The Pima cotton is really soft and you can wear it on its own or with a blazer. Again, everything is made to match and it comes in black too. That saves me time and I can focus on the things that matter, like the news. All that by wearing Mack Weldon's daily wear system. Buy Mac Weldon or products from the Daily Wear system this holiday season for 20% off your first order. Visit MacWeldon.com slash narrative, that's N-A-R-A-T-I-V, and enter promo code narrative. That's MacWeldon.com slash narrative, promo code narrative, for 20% off. Mac Weldon, radically efficient wardrobing. Indeed it is. Indeed it is. Uh, it really is incredible. They do good stuff. So let me tell you a little bit of what people are saying on the chat here. Let's look at some of the comments. I uh, guess one of these people saying, I thought the jurors would see through it. They didn't. I'm not quite sure which one that's me referring too. to. But yeah. I was hoping. I thought that the jurors would also see through all of what the judge was doing and, and the ridiculousness of the defendant, the lawyers defending him. Um, but they didn't. So. Yeah. There's an interesting uh, comment here from someone who's talking about the um, that you can buy cigarettes at 17, can't buy cigarettes at 17, and that you can't uh, do other things at 17. I believe you can't vote at 17 either, but apparently you can walk can't around drink. with, yeah. can't drink, that's for sure. Um, but killing people apparently is fine, says Marie over here. Um, you know, it's really interesting that that's, in fact, some of the weird takeaway of American gun yeah. laws is that you can do things with guns at younger ages you can go to fight wars with guns and but you can't yes. do a lot of other things in the in the world when you're that age it's kind of a stunning thing that america has this mm-hmm. gun problem and these gun laws it looks like that marie's saying he also rejected evidence of video the t-shirt i know he rejected the evidence of the video but i'm not sure what the t-shirt was oh i remember that kyle rittenhouse had the t-shirt that was it a proud boys t-shirt or oh, was it a yes right yeah i think right, it was Something with F. I can't remember what it. But yeah. Right, 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 right. Yes, yeah, so something, something AF. Or, uh, free yeah. something or free something AF. Like- Free as, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Free as we're, we're actually allowed to swear on the show, but our chat apparently, oh, we are. Uh, the chat apparently <laughs> is, is, is censoring people. So every time they're doing it, it's, it's they're getting stars and hash marks. I didn't watch the whole thing, says Guilio, but the fact that he brought the gun to the protest makes me think he should have been held responsible. Yeah. I mean, what a 17-year-old is doing this? What 17-year-old is going across the state line, even just to be a medic? I mean, the idea that that's really right. what's going exactly. on is that's nonsense. Bullshit. I mean, which mom is letting <laughs> yeah. a 17-year-old 
old go yeah yeah honey you want to go to our, into a blm protest go ahead go ahead i don't think that's happening With i just don't AR-15. see it yeah right yeah. <laughs> that's not happening so i feel like the entire plausibility of the argument just seems so ludicrous but they just seem to look right yeah. past that because what he said that it was self-defense or he felt that they got mm-hmm. threatened i mean you know that he felt threatened it's an imagined threat that he had he didn't have a real, you know, I didn't gather that he had a real yeah. threat. Maybe he did. Uh, I didn't see the entire video, but certainly didn't feel that way to me. From what I understand, I think, you know, the protest, there was some guy going after him with a skateboard because I, and I didn't see this whole thing. I've seen a picture of it, but I think the guy with the skateboard saw a guy with an AR-15 and I don't know what Kyle did. You know, this guy came at him. Wasn't because that I after he shot somebody? I think after he shot Maybe somebody, See, then the guy went. About it. Yeah. I mean, that's when I think he went in with his skateboard. Okay. I think that's, uh, which makes sense, you know, to some extent. Yes. And then, uh, then it also says, check his socials, young and easy target for radicalization. That's what someone else is saying mm-hmm. here, which is true. I mean, you know, you looked at his TikTok account saying, I don't remember the exact handle, but something to the effect of, you know, all I want to be is be famous, which I mean, you could, most teenagers might think these days. I don't know. A lot of teenagers yeah, but might still. think. But it's not something you want to do and then land up in the situation he was in. Not for murder. <laughs> you yeah, want to be famous no. for murder. <laughs> no, 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 absolutely not. The jurors followed the letters of the law, so we must change the letters, says yes. Joanne. I think that's a very valid point. And I think, you know, that the, is the, the most valid point. There was a real controversy today about what Biden said right afterwards. I mean, he he issued two statements. One was the shortest statement on Twitter, and I think he came back later with a slightly longer statement, which is an indication of, oops, I probably screwed up and I shouldn't have said what I said there. It's not that the statement was biased, but people took it in a very unusual way, and they sort of felt like he was supporting the judgment, even though he never said that. What he actually said was, verdicts in Kenosha will leave many Americans feeling angry and concerned, myself included. We must acknowledge that the jury has spoken. That is not saying that he agrees with the verdict, in my opinion. I think he's just saying, but that's the way people have taken it. People have taken it as a supportive statement about the verdict and thinking that it was the right thing. I don't think that's what Joe Biden is trying to get at here. But I I don't either. But there is anger. I mean, there's a lot of people Mm -hmm. who are very justifiably angry tonight because they voted in some change. You know, they thought they'd voted in some change Mm -hmm. with Joe Biden. And yet here we are still doing a lot of the same things, the same court rulings. You know, we had that one court case with the policeman in the Floyd case where there was a conviction. But other than that, Mm -hmm. we haven't had justice really change. And certainly you're looking at the way. Well, it's not, I mean, he hasn't even been president for a year and the president doesn't have anything to do. It's lawmakers. We have to elect. That's why everybody who's getting so upset about Biden not doing enough for them. First of all, A, it hasn't been a year. There are all kinds of things that have been beneficial that Biden has done. But in order to see real change in the court, you have to, this judge was elected too, by the way. He was Mm. an elected, not an appointed judge. That's interesting. Um, But what that means is not enough people show up. I mean, I know it, it is Wisconsin and okay, but still this judge was elected. People had to say in who sat on that bench they did choose him because maybe a bunch of people didn't show up to vote or weren't even aware that there was an election for a judge. But you Mm. can't put this on Joe Biden. He can't just walk in and say, oh, the system has changed now. This is something that takes time and it takes going and electing people who will write legislation that will get the change going. I can understand that people are angry. Mm. And we are living in this social media society where, you know, I mean, we have knee-jerk reactions to everything. There's a lot of things that happen that aren't fair and we have no control of. I'm not angry at him for what he's saying. I totally understand he's the 
president. He, a jury, he didn't sit on the jury. There was no justice. Hmm. But the way that this is, like the, the person who said the letter has to be changed, we have to change. Like, for instance, I wrote something on my Patreon page that white men rape babies and women, and then white male judges let them go mm-hmm. with no time served whatsoever. However, there was a horrible situation, uh, a wealthy, wealthy man who raped literally a baby. And the judge said, well, he's a wealthy guy. He, he's not going to be used to life in prison. So he doesn't have to go yeah. to prison. Yeah, I remember that. So case. we have to get rid of, there's, there are so many white male judges. And it's not to say that every white male judge is a bad guy, but we need more diversity. We need more. We absolutely we need, need more diversity. And we need need a system that, you know, that doesn't award or reward only white men as getting things. I mean, it's just, you know, it's not even that they're necessarily biased, but if white men are getting all these positions of power, you internalize that. You imagine that, well, they must be good. They must be better people because they've got all these jobs. And in fact, they aren't in a lot of cases. They're just the most corrupt people we've ever seen as it's been coming to light over the last few years. Yeah, it is by design. And, and certainly when you look at what happened to Kyle, and this is the thing which gets me the, what happened to Kyle. Well, Kyle did something, obviously. He's responsible for it, but he's also a result of a really awful political climate that we created last year Mm -hmm. that Donald Trump basically created last year. Because as they were Mm -hmm. heading into that election, it was clear that Donald Trump was going to lose. And what they tried to do is get all these white suburban moms worked Mm -hmm. up about safety in their neighborhoods, safety in places where there are swing states, you know, like in Kenosha, in in those kinds of places in Wisconsin or wherever the swing states might be. They were trying to make it seem unsafe. So there were Mm -hmm. these events that happened and these events, uh, which is sometimes included deaths or in the Blake shooting in Wisconsin, it created a reaction. Each of those things created a reaction. Remember, there was something in, in Minneapolis. There was a big fire that uh, happened yeah. in Minneapolis weeks after the George Floyd thing happened. And so each, there's a, tends to be a murder of some sort. And then that was inflamed by another big riot or a big fire mm-hmm. or a big shooting like we had in Kenosha. And so mm-hmm. into, that, into that milieu of events are these forces, are these election forces that are pressuring mm-hmm. people into going into the streets there are people on both sides, I would say, pressuring people. But certainly the benefit of all of this would have gone to Donald Trump and his administration, because that would have been the people who got in the votes had these women been scared enough to not vote for Joe Biden, which is basically what they were trying yeah. to get them to do. So you can blame all these people. You can blame Kyle Rittenhouse and you can blame everybody else that's there because they are to blame because they were the ones pulling the trigger. But we can also really blame the politicians and the system, which keep putting us into these positions of conflict. And of course, when you put people in positions of conflict, things happen. Night of match when that's happening, you're going to get a fire. And that's exactly what we've seen again and again and again. And what worries me is that we become so polarized about absolutely everything, you know, <laughs> that Paul Gosar can go in front of the yeah. house yesterday and basically say, hey, it's okay that I sent out a tweet, you know, showing me killing uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Joe Biden, it's okay to do that. In fact, I'm going to retweet it again. So he retweeted it afterwards, mm-hmm. after he got censured. I mean, this is just not yeah. a, you know, we've lost our sense of decency and we've lost our way. You can't blame the little guys on the ground, and you can. I am blaming Kyle Rittenhouse. I think he's a terrible person. It should never have happened. But, you know, we have to look beyond that. In order to fix the system, we have to look much more beyond that. And I'd say the well, same I, thing I for like, the Jan 6 insurrectionists. Yeah, and I'd like to just add that, you know, I mean, Democrats are famous for not when we don't get everything we want, it's 
like we're either going to punish or I'm not going to rubber stamp the Democratic Party. I'm going to, you know, have a protest vote to show them. What that winds up in is Republicans get elected. And I'd like to go back to 2010 and 2014 in Obama's administration. I know there were some Democrats that either felt like, oh, well, we've got this Democratic president. He's black and I don't have to worry about anything anymore. So I'm not going to show up and vote in 2010. Yeah. Or they were pissed at him because they didn't get every single thing they wanted in the ACA. And so it was kind of a punishment. What happened? Republicans got in. Tea Party got in. Take right. it to 2014. And it was the worst turnout in 84 years. We had a good turnout for the GOP, a horrible turnout for the Democrats. Now, imagine if Democrats would have supported and given Obama, or at least allowed him to keep a majority, how different things would be. Now, I'm not saying Democrats are perfect. I'm not saying that everything would be fixed and solved. But we no. would be living in a completely different country if Democrats would have showed up and vote. If they vote, obviously what we're seeing right now in the Democratic Party is they're trying to pass these bills, whether the names are stupid or not, they're trying yeah. to pass these bills that are going to help American people and, you know, obviously make sure that our allies are behind us and we're in, in the good world standing. We can't do that when Republicans are in power because they screw everything up and it's guaranteed. So for all those people out there who feel like, well, I'm just going to show the Democratic Party that I'm not giving them my support. Well, if you don't do it in 2022 and the Republicans gain control, they're never, ever, ever going to allow Democrats to win again. Kimberly, I'm so glad you said that because I feel exactly the same way. You know, it seems to be fashionable to sort of take digs at, at Joe Biden, even though he's doing an incredible mm -hmm. job. I mean, there's just no, he's had yeah, the he most really incredible is. first year of any president ever. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's passing so many, so much incredible legislation and, and writing a country on a global scale that's really, you know, coming back from a really difficult place. You can't say that Joe Biden is doing a bad job. You cannot say that. But there seems to be, permission in our society to do that for mm -hmm. some reason. And I'm not saying you can't criticize a president. Of course, feel free to criticize the president. Oh, but, you should criticize but, everybody. But, you know, it just, it strikes me as it's like a game for people. It's, you know, it's like either they're trying to see if they can be as harsh on him as they were on, on Donald Trump, or they want to seem fair or whatever it is that they're trying to do. But I don't think it's being very fair. And I think that the fact that, you know, no. every time there's a slight bad move by the president of the United States, or lately there's, there's kind of a gleefulness in the media and a kind of a, yeah. you know, like a gotcha That's moment. It. And it's like, why are you being gleeful I about this? I think it's by it's design. Not... And I hate to say this because I don't want people to walk away feeling they can't trust our media. But you take a look at what CNN is doing, and it's really upsetting because they were trashing Kamala Harris while they were promoting Chris Christie all last week. Wow. And, you know, I feel like it's okay to criticize the president, no matter who the president is, oh, no matter sure. what side of the aisle they're on. But I think they're manufacturing stories about Joe Biden, like the fact that he, he uses profanity. Are you fucking kidding me? I mean, first of all, we knew he used profanity when he was with Obama because he said this is a big fucking deal when they passed the ADA. And I mean, Trump swore all the time. He swore at his rallies. It, nobody gives a shit if a president is going to use profanity. Yet we, we have, whether it's, you know, CNN or Politico or some of these, you know, and they can put out good information. But at the same time, you know, whether it's Washington Post, the New York Times, you get opinion or you get opinion from people, which I think is sometimes unfair. But on top of it, especially with CNN, Jeff Zucker said he didn't see a problem with having Trumpers basically come on CNN. And what I worry that they say, all right, look, we might be moving toward fascism. So, you know, the First Amendment should be on everybody, every journalist's mind. Mm -hmm. um, 
but I think what maybe some of these wealthy people are thinking, well, if we do move towards fashions, I want to make sure I'm okay. And oh, so I'm going to appease and make these guys happy. Thank you for spending your time with Narrative and stay tuned. There's much more to this conversation in our next episode. Narrative is made possible by viewers and listeners like you who join at patreon.com forward slash narrative. Join today and support truly independent journalism. Patreon.com forward slash narrative.